chapter 4, we're going to read about this story, the song that they just sang. This is the story. I'm in the New King James Version. It says, Mark 4 and verse 35, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. I love this verse right here. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. I love how it's described in the uh, NIV Bible. It says, a furious squall came up, and the waves break over the, uh, broke over the boat, and it was nearly swamped. Nearly, boy, have you ever felt that way? Just swamped with stuff, swamped over, just coming over. Verse 38 says, but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Peace, be still. We need that in our lives. Sister Sheila, we need that in our lives today. Hallelujah. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, get this, who can this be? Who is this? Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Jesus, that you put this there for us today, Lord, that this word is going to touch our heart today, God. I ask you, Lord, right now that you anoint my lips of clay as I speak your word. I ask you, Lord, to open our hearts and our eyes and our ears to hear, to feel, and to see what you have to say to us today. God, I ask you, Lord, to anoint me with the power of the Holy Ghost to minister your word. Hide me behind the shadow of the cross. I pray and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Storms in our life come up quickly. And suddenly, they say the Sea of Galilee, it, it, the storms over there come up quickly. And it, it's very uh, unpredictable is what they say about it. I do want to say thank you to the praise team, the worship team. They did an awesome job again today, bringing us into the presence of God. Hallelujah. When these storms come up so quickly, a lot of times they catch us off guard. When we see something coming up against us and we can see it coming, we have an opportunity to move, right? I heard this story told of my grandpa and my grandma. They lived in Fox, Arkansas, down in the holler, if this Illinois boy can say that, down in the holler. They had, how many remember a cattle guard? They had the cattle guard because they had some cows there, so you had to drive down the cattle guard, and then you'd see the the strips across the dirt road where these big long snakes had been crossing. I mean, they lived in the woods. One time a bear was up on their porch. They're in fox. If you name your town after an animal, you're probably going to see some. They said that my grandpa was sitting on the porch. He said, Mom, bring me the snake bite medicine. She said, Alvy, did you let that snake bite you again? He said, No, but I see him coming. 
I'm not sure that's a true story, but that's what was told to me. Sometimes when we see something coming, we'll get out of the way. We know it's going to be a bad thing. We get out of the way. I know in coaching, a lot of times I've seen a situation on the field where there's some runners in scoring position, and their big hitter was up, and I had first base open. This made me public enemy number one. I would walk that little 10-year-old or that little 12-year-old and I can't believe why you would walk him. Why would, why would you take the battery? That's not fair. You're not even right as an adult. I said, my responsibility is to these 12 boys over here, and I give them 100% of my knowledge of the game. That boy is your best hitter. He's not going to beat me today. I avoided problems and put him on base. I'll go to the next kid has got snot running down his nose, doesn't know what he's doing. I'll let him bat against me. Both smiling from ear to ear. He's seen it a few times. We avoid trouble when we see it coming. But danger often arises suddenly. If you give a warning, sometimes we could get out of the way. It'd be nice if we could ride out our storms in insulated watertight boats. I'm not a big fisherman. I know Brother Jerry is. And he got him a new boat. One of these days, I want to just get in the boat for the fun of it. I can ride for a while until I'll be boat sick or motion sickness, whatever. But I, I would like to ride in it one day. But we want watertight boats. But we sail live seas in fragile vessels. Fragile vessels. How many from time to time feel like your vessel's taking on water? Maybe it's not seaworthy. You think, what am I doing? There's Brother Jerry right there. One day you had to get out. I'll go out for the, the Sprite and the, the crackers or whatever and just ride the boat for a little bit. And maybe you can drop me off that restaurant we went to before. And then I'll be good there and I'll catch a taxi back. Okay. <laughs> Psalms 42 and 7 says, Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. Jimmy Swaggart commentary, he was, he was commenting on this verse. In effect, David is saying by this statement that at times we must be brought into deep distress before we can be brought to the deep things of God. Huh. God may bring some things on us to teach us something, to bring us through, to, to bring, bring us to greater things in Him. We don't like that teaching that God could possibly put something in our way. He could possibly bring a storm to our life. Does anybody want storms in your life? When this deep distress happens, it is though we have been thrown into a water spout with such spewing us up and tumbling us head over heels. We are defenseless, but yet this is necessary that is, if we are to be brought into the place of total consecration. We don't like to admit it, but it's in the Word of God over and over and over. We see where God put people in positions of storms. How many, how many remember Job? Or Job, as I called it, growing up? The book of Job. We see where God let Satan do some things. What did he say to him? Just don't kill him. Well, that doesn't sound like a loving Savior, does it? That doesn't sound... God knows what you're going through, and he knows if we go through it correctly, it's going to benefit us. Amen? Amen. We don't like it, but it's going to benefit us. All your waves broke over me is what the psalmist said. This is a, 
description of our vulnerability when we're in trouble. The storm in Mark's text, which I read to you just a few minutes ago, is not symbolic. This was real. This happened. These disciples was in, in real peril. The storms that come up in our lives, they're furious. They're furious. They're not mild. You think, well, I could handle a few mild ones. I could handle a few things coming along. But they come at us so fast, so dangerously, so furiously. We're thinking, what in the world just hit me? I'm the only one that's been there, God. It's just me. Storms come up and you don't see them coming until they hit. The wind kicks up and it kicks up the waves. How many knew that? The wind starts kicking up, it starts kicking up the waves. There's a cause and effect relationship between the primary trial or the squaw and its consequential impact, which is the waves. For example, the serious illness can suddenly turn into financial problems. We've all been there. You go to the hospital, and the first thing you got to do is pay them your firstborn. For the smallest of things, you come out of there broke. I thought it was bad going to toy stores, but when, when, when I go into a toy store, my boys empty my pockets. When I go to the hospital, the hospital empties my pockets. So trials and storms, illnesses, they can, they can bring on other problems that we wasn't even thinking about. And you know what? They seem to come in bunches, too. It seems like there's just one after another. I heard my dad say one time, I wish God would just give me a little space in between my trials. Just a little space in between my trials. Let me get my breath before it hits again. Or two. There you go. Swamped is how we feel. The title of my sermon today is Swamped. They got it up there. Swamped. But the NIV, when we read it just a minute ago, it didn't say completely swamped it said nearly swamped nearly swamped king james version says it was full well we know it couldn't have been completely full or it'd been underwater another version says it was filling the boat was filling with water the word nearly tells the disciples and us that no matter what the trial is we're never completely swamped. Hallelujah. If Jesus is in your boat, you're not completely swamped. Hallelujah. In the midst of the winds and the waves, it's easy to assume that we've been totally overcome. We're in the middle of the trial. It feels like there's no way out. But the presence of the one with us is our protection in the midst of the storm. Hallelujah. How many have Jesus with you today in your boat? Hallelujah. The disciples initially missed this truth. They missed it. You read these scriptures, you wonder how in the world they miss it. We, we talk about it all the time, how we seem to pick on the Israelites. They see a miracle, and then they're complaining. They see another miracle, then they're complaining. We think the same thing about the disciples. They see them healing a, a, a paralytic man. But now, all of a sudden, Jesus can't handle a storm. We're going to get to that in just a minute. They missed it, though. They assumed that Christ's presence didn't make a difference in their nearly swamped boat. Let me tell you something. Our feelings, they often betray us. We feel a certain way because of the outside influences that happen, the storm that's coming against us. Then our feelings starts getting messed with. Our faith starts getting beat down. It starts getting lower and lower. We've got to be careful to keep our eyes on Jesus and understand if he's in your boat, there's still hope. Hallelujah. 
there's still hope in Jesus. We forget that we're not alone and that he's promised. I preached about promises last week. We forget about this promise in Hebrews 13.5. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you. Don't you wish your wife would make that commitment? Your husband would make that commitment? Your dog would make that commitment? I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I've seen this week somebody's lost their dog. It's on Facebook. I've seen a poster out here somebody lost their dog. Don't you wish you had a faithful dog? Sometimes that's all we have is that faithful dog. Like, Stay here with me, man. I love you. I'm going to take care of you. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Even when we acknowledge the Savior's presence, so often it appears that he's asleep in our storm. God, I know I'm saved. I know you're in my vessel. I know you're here with me. But where are you? Do you see the problems going? Do you see the bills happening? Do you see the sicknesses? Father, where are you? We have a hard time believing sometimes that he's awake. In this Bible story, he was asleep. How many know Jesus was a man? And he was God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He was. If ever we see a picture of the humanity of Jesus, it was right here. Jesus was exhausted. He was absolutely exhausted. He climbed into the boat exhausted. The winds, the waves, none of this. The swamping water didn't even wake him up. He was exhausted. He was asleep. He was asleep on a pillow. Did you notice that? It even, it even detailed he was on a pillow. That's a first-hand account of somebody that's seen this. Jesus was asleep on the pillow. I can't imagine. I mean, the boat's probably rocking. They're doing one of these things, falling from side to side, and they look down and see Jesus. What in the world? How can you sleep through that? Shelly's the same way. I don't know how she sleeps through some of the things she sleeps through. And we sleep on a waterbed, free flow. She's asleep. I jump in bed, and the whole bed is just giving it this. I'm working my way over to my spot, and she just. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm telling you, that's, that's how close she is to Jesus. She'll sleep right through that storm on that water bed. Only an eyewitness would include that kind of detail. Mark's words, we see Mark's words. We see him. Uh, through Peter's eyes, though, remembering the pillow is what we're seeing there. But the disciples reached a false conclusion. They assumed that since Jesus was sleeping, he didn't care if they drowned. That's what they asked him. They, he, didn't, he doesn't care. He's sleeping through all this. We're going to drown. And probably what they were thinking, is he's going to drown too. He's asleep. He, he doesn't care. He's asleep. So they woke him up. And you know what? I doubt they expected a miracle. I doubt that, first of all, if you have Jesus in your boat, he's sleeping. You have a storm arise. You've just seen all these people healed, and he's doing all these things. But yet, you're scared. The Bible tells us they're scared. And they go down, and then the first thing they said, don't you care that we perish? Don't you care that we're dying here? Don't you care that we're drowning? We're taking on water? I'm just telling you, I understand why Jesus said, how come you don't have any faith? That's, that's exactly what's going on here. I don't think they expected a miracle. I think they wanted one more hand to bail out some water. Jesus, wake up. you got to get a bail, man. Start helping us out. We're going to die in this thing. I don't think to this point they realized who was with them. 
You might, we, we could argue about that, and I wouldn't argue. But I believe this was a turning point in the disciples. They realized he is the creator of the universe in this moment right here. He's not only a man that can heal things. You know, they've seen all sorts of soothsayers and different things like that that was doing miracles. They did. So they've seen some of these healings and stuff. They've seen some of these things go on already. They'd never seen anybody talk to the wind. They'd never seen anybody calm the waves. They'd never seen the creator in action in this way. A fierce wind blows into our lives, and we feel overwhelmed. Despite our best efforts, things only get worse. Our frail attempts at stability and safety gain us nothing. We feel like we're losing the battle. And Jesus is in the boat with us. We go to the Lord in prayer. We feel like he's sleeping. God's not hearing me. He must be sleeping. Or he'd help me out of this storm I'm in right now. He sees what I'm going through. I've heard it over and over and over from people. God just won't help me. I've prayed and asked God. Normally, when they're going through this storm, they're looking for somebody to bail water. Because they haven't been living right. They haven't been living the way Jesus wants them to live. And now they're looking for somebody to bail some water for them. That's tough right there, but it's the truth. We don't sense an answer. We don't hear him talking to us. How can he remain silent when we're in so much trouble? Our first thing we want to do is jump to the conclusion, Lord, you don't even care about me anymore. I felt you when I was on my knees and I give my heart to you. I felt you that night. I felt the anointing of the Holy Ghost. But God, I'm in a storm now. I prayed. You're not answering my prayers. You must not care about me anymore. You must not care. That's when we start offering our own solutions to God. At least you can do something, God. Grab a bucket and help me bail out of this. Maybe I can borrow some money. Maybe I can do this. Maybe I can do that, God. Just help me to do this. Instead of asking God... You're the creator of the winds and the waves. Would you say, peace, be still? I don't need you to bail water for me, Jesus. I need you to talk to the elements and let them know that you're in control of my life and say, peace, be still. Another version says, quiet down. It reminded me of my kids. I'm constantly, Shh, quiet down. Ever since Cardin discovered, I don't know, some sort of little phone they give him, it doesn't call or text or anything like that. He just carries music on it. So he has this other little device about that big round, little round thing, and he throws it in the pool, and this thing plays music in the pool. Dad goes swimming with me, so I go swimming with him. I can't even hear him talk. He's got the music so loud. I'm like, Quiet down. We don't see it at the time, but his inaction in the present moment will provide a superior solution than what we could ever propose. Our thoughts, our solutions is not what God's solution is so many of the times. Now, does God speak to us and let us know how to get out of some problems? Absolutely. But we need to go to God first. We need to go to God and find out what he wants to do. We're needing him to say, peace, be still. It may take time for us to see it, but we must trust God 
This is a tough one right here. We must trust God in the quiet time. When we don't hear him, when he's asleep in the boat, we must trust him. We must trust him. Must trust him. Can I tell you that it's better for us to have a Savior sleeping in our boat than for us to sail along without him? If I've got Jesus in the boat, I'm good. I'm going to make it through whatever storms I'm going to come up against. Hallelujah. Mark 4 and 39 that he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. We see that David cried in Psalm 68 1, Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. Hallelujah. I, I pray that prayer more than once in my life. God, arise in my life. Let your enemies be scattered. God, you see what's coming against me. Let the enemies be scattered right now in the name of Jesus. Would you arise and let your enemies be scattered? Hallelujah. We need to pray that over our lives. It's certainly what we cry in our circumstances and we're wanting to change. That's what we cry out to God. Arise, O Lord. Can't you do something about this situation? Can't you make my kids be good? Can't you make my wife be good? Lord, arise in this situation. In this story in Mark, the storm at sea, the disciples cried out in the Lord. He did arise. He did wake up. He got up. The urgent shaking and pleading of the disciples to wake him up stirred him from his sleep. Why? They said, we're swamped. Can't you see? Look at the water around here. We're swamped. And that's exactly how we feel more than one occasion. God, we're, we're, we're knee deep in this stuff. We're, we're being flooded, Father. Do you see what's going on in this world? It's one thing after another. Father, since March... We've got COVID-19. We've got this. We've got that. We, 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 we don't even have enough change anymore, Jesus. Jesus, I can't even mail a letter at the post office anymore, Jesus. They're, they're fixing to shut it down. And Lord, if that wasn't bad enough, look at the riots. Look at the looting. Look at the murders. God, look what's going on. You've got to wake up, God. We're, we're being swamped. And God, there's an election coming up. There's an election coming up. Lord, we're, we're, going to be, we're going to be sunk, Lord, if you don't move. No matter who wins, Father, you're still in control. That's what we really need to be praying. No matter who wins, Father, you're still in control because he sets people up and he brings them down. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I listened to a sermon this week. My dad's up in Ohio preaching. I listened to a sermon this week. He was talking about a king that thought he had really built something up. Next thing you know, we see him in the scriptures acting like an animal, eating grass, growing hair everywhere out of his mind we need to understand god raises them up hallelujah i'll get back to my notes god always gets up jesus always gets up although sometimes we're disappointed by his inaction or surprised sometimes we're surprised by his action well god i wanted you to do something but not that do we want god's will or not when you start praying God's will, sometimes he gives you something. You're like, I don't, this is not really what I wanted, God. You said you'd give me the desires of my heart, but this is not what I wanted. He knows what's best for us. Amen. The disciples, they may have just thought, wake up Jesus so he can bail out some water for us. Because the scriptures that follow, I doubt their faith had grown mature enough to think that he could do anything with the winds and waves. 
if ever a miracle showed Jesus as creator, this is certainly the one that qualifies right here. When you can step out, wake up. I mean, you know, even when I wake up, I'm still not like all the way awake. You know, and I don't want to paint a picture for you. But when I get up in the morning, I'm, I'm just like stumbling to get. I, I'm like an old drunk or something. I'm, I'm trying to hang on to everything, get over to my closet, get over to my shoes, and you know. And then that's the funny part is when I lean up against bed, start to put on my shoes next, and I'm like, oh, back up. You've been there, right? Okay, okay. Some some of you guys are like me. Jesus wasn't even sleepy when he woke. He didn't say he stumbled around. He, he addressed the issue immediately. He addressed the issue immediately. I have trouble getting my boys to mind me, let alone the winds and the waves and storms of my life. But Jesus stepped out and he said, peace, be still. I got to thinking about this. Nature must have an ear. Nature must have an ear or some sort of receptor in nature that responds to the voice of Jesus because all he said is peace be still, quiet down, and the winds and waves obeyed. Can you imagine being in that boat? There's still water in the boat. There's still a problem there in the boat, but all of a sudden now the winds and waves are completely calm, and you just seen this man step out and speak. One day I was at my dad's house, and there was a tornado coming through this area, and they said, Greenbrier, cover up. It's fixing to hit you. I see my dad get up, and he walked outside on his deck, and it faced the east where the tornado was coming from. He said, I heard him out there. He goes, peace, be still. I command you to move in the name of Jesus. I'm just telling you, we didn't get hit by a tornado, so. Nature has to obey the voice of the master. There's still power when Jesus speaks. Hallelujah. No storm lasts forever, but when they come, it's with a fierceness and a lot of times with a surprise. Our problem is we don't feel that we can outlast our own storm, whether illness, abandonment, financial reversals, loss of job or friend, or the death of a loved one. We don't know how we're going to make it. Don't you think that's exactly the way the disciples felt? They were felt like they were about to die. How are we going to get out of this situation? We are about to die. Hmm. On a normal night, conversation can flow freely back and forth between the boats. You notice in the first couple of verses there, it talked about the boats that was going along with them. They said on a normal night, they could talk to each other back and forth, holler out to each other. But in a storm... Your voice can't be heard. In a storm, your voice can't be heard. Hallelujah. We need to understand when we're in our storms, we need to get closer. Yes, to Jesus. He's in our boat. But we need to get closer to our family, our church family, our body of believers. They believe they have Jesus in their boat too. So we can come and have that conversation, that communication, that prayer with each other. The wind will blow in our face. Shelly, would you come during storms and the words you might say to somebody, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to stay at home. I, I know I have God in my heart, but I feel like, you know, in this storm, I just need to stay here. I can watch on Facebook. I can do a lot of things. Don't get me wrong, Facebook. Thank you for watching. But when you have a choice of Facebook or church, you need to be in church. But that's the way we get to feeling. 
I, I've told you this story over and over and over. Watching the animal planet, I see these, these lions and stuff. They'll hunt in packs. And when they do, they try to cut one animal out of the pack and take them off so they can devour them. Satan works the exact same way. He tries to cut you away from the church. Oh, I just missed this service. I just missed that service. After a while, he's cutting you out to devour you. Now, if you didn't notice, that's not in my notes. God just kind of speaking to me that right now. We need to understand how Satan likes to work with things. He, he tries to do that. And it, oftentimes it happens in the middle of that storm as we start separating you out. Jesus spoke to the winds and the waves ceased. Peace be still. I wish all storms in life would end quickly, but they don't always end that way. I like what Philippians 4, 7 says. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I praise the Lord for peace that passes my understanding. I don't understand it. I had people all the time keep asking me about Peyton. How did you manage during all that time? How, how did you go through them times? There's a peace of God that you can have. There's peace in your life when you're going through a storm that it doesn't make sense why you can still be happy. It doesn't make sense why you can still go on. It doesn't make sense how you can still minister. Nothing makes sense. But when Jesus is in your boat, he's going to come out and say, peace, be still. Peace, be still. The old song says, I have peace like a river. Then I heard it sung this way. The world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. Hallelujah. We can have that peace. The storm didn't give me my peace, and the storm can't take it away. In Mark 4 and 40, it says, But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said to one another, Who can this be, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Hmm. Have you ever wondered why Jesus asked the question in verse 35, How is it? That you have no faith. That's what he asked him. He said, how is it that you have no faith? You've seen what's been going on. How do you have no faith? Has God ever asked you that? He has me. I've prayed. I've begged. I've pleaded. I've like, God, you, what, what's going on here? He goes, do you have no faith? I was like, sorry, God. Verse 35, it says, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Let us cross over to the other side. What, what does that mean? You're going to make it. In the midst of this storm, all they could see was what was right in front of them. All they could see is their boat filling up. They're knee-deep. They're swamped in what's going on. They forgot what verse 35 said. We're going across. Us. Us, Jesus, and them, we're going across. So where's your faith? Where's your faith, disciples? I already told you we're going over there. And what I say goes. When I say we're going, we're going. When Jesus said he's going, he's going. And if he says we're going, then you're going with him. My question is, why are we in distress in this storm? 
It's a lesson we need to learn. Jesus said we're going to make it. Jesus said I'm going to carry you through. Jesus is going to say peace be still. We need to understand he's going all the way with us, Brother Scotty. And so we need to stand by faith and say, God, I see the storm. I see the flood. We're swamped in this boat. Guess what? You said we're going over, Father. We're going to the other side. So I'm not going to worry about it anymore. My faith is in you, Jesus. My faith is in you, Jesus. I don't understand the circumstances going on. I don't understand the financial difficulty, the relation difficulty, the the sickness in my body. But Jesus, you said you're going to take care. You said you're going to meet all my needs. You said you'd never leave me. You'd never forsake me. Father, you're in my boat. You're in my boat. So I'm not going to worry. I'm casting my cares upon you. Because you cared for me. Would you stand with me today?